All right. I think we should be live. Uh, this is the second edition of the Real Man Sports Podcast. The first one summed up all the stuff I was working on. But the second one, I got a guest here. I got Alan Sislowski. And uh, we're going to go over my draft. And Alan, you know, don't be, don't be a nutless monkey. If you don't like one of my picks, you think I screwed it up, please uh, be forthright. This is a hard draft. There are a lot of good players in it. And, uh, and I felt like personally, uh, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Obviously, I'm happy. I'm not always happy, but I'm usually happy with my draft. But I felt like I did a very professional job. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second in this draft of using the slot that I got and not um, being stubborn about my own views and, and, and adapting to what was going on in the draft. Uh, but as I said, it was a hard draft. I'm happy with how it turned out, um, with the exception of Kittle, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Well, why don't you start off by just explaining exactly for those that are seeing the draft for the first time, like what this is, what the format is, and like what you know the, the stakes, the, the other players that are in there. Give them just a two-second rundown for anyone seeing this for the first time. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, so this is the NFFC prime time. It's $1,750 to buy in. So it's pretty high stakes. I think there's like a 200K grand prize if you do well in the playoffs, but you're really going for that 7,700 league prize and then see what happens. I actually won it last year, one of these. Um, so, you know, I, I bought back in with house money. I felt good about it. Uh, I drew some tough guys in the league, a guy, Chad Schroeder's in the league. I won't say which team he is. Um, but he's, you know, NFFC Hall of Famer. Another guy, Nelson Souza. I don't know. I know he might be a Hall of Famer too. And, and, and the NFFC Hall of Fame, it's not some like popularity contest. It's like you got to win a lot of money before they put you in. It's actually merit-based, unlike a lot of Hall of Fames. And so um, <laughs> there's, some good, there's some good players in there. Dalton Del Don, former uh, Real Man Wood podcast co-host, is, was also in there. So, you know, it was, it was a tough league. And just because I don't know everybody in it and there are other names in it, um, doesn't mean those guys aren't good players. It's just, I knew there were some established known good players and there's probably a lot of good players. And I don't think there's any like totally soft team in here. Like I, I'm looking at no. the picks and I don't think anyone, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy just not know what he's doing, but I think everybody here knew what they were doing. They I pointed up the money and it was, a, it was a hard, good, enjoyable draft. Yeah, there's a couple teams in here that made I mean, we'll get into the aggressive picks, and I guess they could fall into the, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. But you know what? When someone puts in 1800 I don't care what kind of bank account you have. 1800 serious money. You're saying you want to play with professional players. No one, doesn't matter how, how much money you have, wants to just tear up 1800 This isn't a $100 draft. This isn't a $5 best ball. People are here. They're playing here. Yeah, no, I mean, you can you could be, you know, just a fat fantasy football guy for the last five years, not really get the NFFC format, throw down some money and be a little of a soft team. You see it, but um, and you see it more in the online than in this uh, prime time. You're right with the, with the higher stakes, but I felt like this was a very competent draft. People knew what they were doing. It was hard. I had to focus. I didn't, that's why I didn't live stream it while we're doing it now. Yeah. Um, Cause I knew I'd have to focus and really pay attention and adapt. And that's kind of, we'll talk about, you know, how to adapt during a draft, but it was good. I, I feel good about the results, but it was, it was hard. And, uh, oh, and I, what just, I mean, people know the NFFC format, but in case you don't, it's two, two running backs, three receivers and a flex and it's full PPR and quarterbacks get six points per passing touchdown. Um, the, you know, the upshot is receivers are, are pretty in demand because there's three plus a flex and it's PPR. And you'll see that receiver inflation was extreme, even by, uh, ADP standards. We say ADP, we're talking about average draft position, you know, where are the guys on average, I'll always look at the last three or four days, you know, there's not been a lot of injuries. So I'll look at the prime times the last three or four days and I'll, you know, print out a board that has like where guys are going. And you'll see as we go along that guys did not go here where they were going, which 
you know, you do as much prep as you can, but then it throws you off and you have to adapt. Yeah. Uh, why are you protecting the identity of specific players? I know, I know that's like a thing people do. They get a little bit, but what do you think it is? Like they don't want to see just in case they do other strategies of, of who their guys are. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah. I mean, I don't care. I've always showed my picks and you know, if yeah. somebody wants to go crazy cause they want to get my picks a, who knows if my picks are even good, maybe mine are bad and you're an idiot. You're jumping my picks cause I made them. Um, and so I don't care if people see my picks, I'll adapt. But I think some of these Hall of Fame guys have won a lot. I think some people might just sort of be like, oh, he likes this guy in round three. Oh, he likes this guy in round four. And then if, if they get in the league with those guys, they get sniped on all the guys they like at value. Um, I get it, uh, but whatever. I'm doing out of respect for them. Uh, Derek Bouchard, you know, who, who uh, runs a lot of this stuff at the NFFC, he'll give me a, this generic draft board, but we don't see names. So I don't really care. I'm Team 7, obviously. I post my stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Dalton cares about his team name, his team, but I, I doubt it. Um, I think the industry guys are pretty upfront about who yeah. they like, and it's a bit of a handicap. But again, like I don't think like the high stakes pros or Hall of Famers care what I pick. So me telling them might give them information if they like two guys on the turn, and I'm in between. They would know who they could leave and get later, and who they'd have to take now. I guess it's a ever so slight advantage in the event that that's the case, but. I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but you know, it's just out of respect for. Her. Yeah, given the timing though of where we are in the draft season, if this was July or June or even early August, I can understand that. And again, that's fine. You don't have to name any names, but the season starts tonight. I know there's still a couple right. more days of drafting, but this is it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't. They didn't tell me not to do it. It's just sort of the default now that we don't do it. So they might not care at this doxing. point. Doxing, doxing, yeah, doxing yeah. these guys. Yeah, <laughs> get. I put their address here at the end and the phone number. You can call them up. <laughs> tell them why why their draft is bad. All right, so let's get to it. Um, so I picked seventh. I wanted to pick seventh. You know, it's KDS. You get to choose your choice. I actually picked eight. I got the eighth choice in KDS, eight out of twelve, and I still got my first choice, which was the seventh. I chose seventh because the couple days before it locked. Barkley was going on average seventh. And so I thought, okay, I want Barkley. And if I don't get Barkley, I'll get one of those receivers. And worst case scenario, and I talked about this in the last pod, uh, Eckler will be there. I don't like Eckler, so I'll take Diggs. And I could live with Diggs in the first round. I think he's more of an early second round pick, ideally. And he actually went with the first pick in the second here. You can look at the board. Well, I, mean, I want to ask you about it. So we understand anyone who follows your content understands why you want Barkley. And yeah, it's easy to see. I mean, he's already had that monster season. He's the only game in town coaching upgrade. No one's going to question why you want Barkley. You were actually talking about Barkley as, as a mid first round pick when he was still going in the third round in early best ball season. He just, you, you didn't even understand that you were taking a sober view. But the thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, and people have asked me this about you is why are you, um, I mean, you already saw what Austin Eckler can do. So, there's nothing that really has changed. They've added Sony Michelle. I'm just curious because I kind of feel the same way. I haven't drafted Eckler in the top five. What is it about this year that's making you not want to take him there when you already saw him do it? Yeah, I've already I've faded him every year. And last year, obviously, that was a bad move. He had a huge year. Uh, and if you drafted him anywhere, even 1.1, you were very happy taking Austin Eckler. Um, and he's a good player and he's in a good situation. But I think what did he have last year? Like 70 catches or something? He didn't have a hundred catches, right? And no. yeah, so okay, if he's in the 65-70 range, that's not that crazy, right? Like Jonathan Taylor will get 50. Um, Barkley should get 60-70 if he's healthy. Swift should get at least that. Um, yeah. It's not so special anymore. And then he got 205 carries or something, which at 5'10", 200, that to me is his absolute max. And even he was saying in his agent, like, bring in some other guys. Like, I don't want to take the pounding. It didn't happen. Uh, it didn't <laughs> ha well, well, they got Sony <laughs> Michelle, but I mean, it doesn't really matter right. if the guys are good or not. It just matters 
that, you know, it's, it's not ideal for him. So, you know, he, you still, if he gets 180 carries or something and he gets 70 catches and stays healthy, he'll be good, but he got a lot of goal line, which isn't necessarily, it doesn't have to be a part of his game. So you're getting a lot of touchdowns that I don't think are necessarily who he is. I mean, they can do it, but there's no reason for them to do that if they want to spare him some wear and tear from in close. And then, you know, he's not getting the McCaffrey 100 catches or 90 catches. He's getting 70. Yeah. Um, and then he's 27, which is sort of the, the, you know, it used to be 30 for running backs, but now 27, 28, these guys start to get old. Now, if there's anyone who could defy that, it's him because he doesn't get huge workloads. But then... The counter to that is he did get 200 carries last year, which for him, yeah. I think, is a huge workload. They don't give guys 5, 10, 200, 200 plus carries typically. I mean, they just don't. I, unless all the NFL um, front offices are crazy and they should have always been giving tiny little guys 200 carries, uh, or maybe there's some merit to it that just smashing through the center of the line is, is hazardous to your health at that size. Yeah, the last thing that we'll talk about, Austin Eckler, and then we can go on to your draft because there's some uh, – I really want to ask you about a lot of your specific picks, but Eckler also had 12 rushing touchdowns, as you said, and in the previ his previous high was three rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So that's the outlier. And then uh, on, on the podcast that Eckler does on – Yahoo, he actually said, he goes, my days of 90 catches are over because Justin Herbert doesn't really check it down as much as Philip Rivers uh, did. So, and so that, that like you said, uh, that, that if you bring those touchdowns from 12 to five, he probably ends up being a, like a late first round pick, maybe even a second round pick at that point. Yeah. I mean, if they're both healthy, I think Swift might be ahead yeah. of him if they're both go. healthy. Now, you know, I, I trust Swift even less than Eckler. So I would have Eckler ahead of Swift, but, um, but just, oh. you know, Swift will get as many carries and as many catches uh, and I, yeah, I, I could see him getting six, seven touchdowns rushing, uh, right. maybe eight or nine total. So I guess the last part, cause the first round, I mean, it's always interesting cause it really is the core of your team. If Barkley was picked, which one of these and Eckler was the faller, who would you have taken there? Diggs, uh, Diggs. Uh, I already resigned it. Cause I had to, I, I didn't, you don't want to be panicking during a live draft with a minute. You have to have a clear idea and you can change your mind, but you better have like a lightning bolt of insight come to you when you're changing your mind. You, you don't just panic there your first round pick. So I said, okay, it is possible that Eckler's the faller and I will just take digs because I knew, and it's even more extreme in this case. And you'll see that wide receivers were going to get pushed up like starting pitching does in baseball. It was going to be a rush to get wide receivers. And I thought, okay, if, if I'm not getting the guys I want, I'll just take the best remaining receiver. And it used to be lamb. I used to have lamb ahead of digs, but I looked more into lamb and I hate that Tyron Smith is out. I, I think Dallas's offense and Dak might be much worse than people think he's much worse than that Tyron Smith. And then Lamb kind of disappeared in the second half last year. He didn't. He was huge in the first eight games. He did very little in the second half. And Diggs, you know, I, I think Gabe Davis will cut into him and, you know, and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. They're going to split it up a little bit. But I just think given the volume in that offense, given Diggs' skills, he's only 28 for a receiver. That's not too bad. Um, I just think Diggs is just a huge floor pick. Again, he's a first. He's a second-round pick for me. But give me him over the other shaky running backs, given what I assumed would be wide receiver inflation. Yeah. Everyone was disappointed in Stefan Diggs, even though he finished as like a top six, top seven wide receiver last yeah. year. It's because the previous year he literally won you the championship game. So you, yeah. you probably drafted him again and it was fine. It just wasn't, it was the targets were kind of, were mostly there. I just think like the big spike games weren't there and that's what you expect for Diggs. So let's, um let's get into your draft a little bit here because the, when did you first recognize that I'm sure you suspected that the wide receiver inflation was coming, but when did you realize, uh Oh, it's, it's even bigger than I thought it was going to be. What point of the draft? Yeah. So I, yeah, it was, uh, 
I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I, so, okay. So let's just go through it. Cause I'll tell you sort of how, so I was going to, I wanted Javante Williams in round two and one pick before you. And I, and he goes like late round two. And so um, I was like, all right, I'm going to get him. No problem. And if not, I'll take Aaron Jones. I wanted, and then he goes one pick before me. And I realized at that moment, um, cause I had like a scenario, like, let's say both he and Jones are gone. Uh, and I realized at that moment, you know what? Williams was the league winner that I really, really wanted, not Jones. And, and Jones, you know, has a little bit of that, like Kareem Hunt vibe to him. Like, is he just kind of a you know, splitting carries with the, with the workhorse guy and getting some catches and some goal line look. So I was like, I don't want him. And I was like, I, I'm going to get a receiver because it's going to be a lot harder to draft receiver. So I pivoted to AJ Brown. I thought about Pittman. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to get the receiver here, uh, which would allow me to take Pitts in round three if he were there. And I was counting on Pitts or DJ Moore in round three. And if you look at the board, you'll see how laughable that is mm. uh, because um, it wasn't even close. But per ADP, Pitts and, Pitts and Moore were totally there. Like every time, at least one of them was going to be there. And I remember like about an hour before the draft being like, you know, I'm counting on Pitts or Moore being there, but I should have a pivot just in case. I mean, you can't be caught flat-footed, but I couldn't decide on a guy. Allen Robinson, Jalen Waddell. Well, Debo was the faller, but you and I had a conversation offline about just DJ Moore versus uh, Debo Samuel straight up in PPR. And it's an interesting conversation, but Debo Samuel, all NFFC season long, was locked into the middle. He was falling, but he never really dripped out of the second round, especially in three RR, third round reversal. So he was there for you. You decided it sounded like that was an easy pass for you at that point. Yeah, I, I zero interest in Debo. I, I just don't think he's going to get the targets. He's got a new QB there. He plays a very physical style. He's going to get hurt. Um, I love him as a player in real life, but no way am I taking him over like a real wide receiver who's going to get 140 targets. So, so all right, so I already knew round two, like, okay, if, if I didn't get my guy who's the league winner, then I'm going to go with the upside receiver in A.J. Brown. Again, Pittman was possible too. All right, so then uh, I, I think I can say this because he publishes stuff. Dalton takes DJ Moore in round, in round two. And that what was team, my round. What he's team three. He's three. Okay. So that's my round two target, right? That's like, I'm like, holy shit. And, Pitt, and then I'm like, wait, Pitts just went before that? So both my round three targets are gone way, way before they even came. And they were going late round three, both of those guys. Yeah. So I was all of a sudden like, uh-oh, this is, okay, it's going to be one of these drafts where things aren't going to, to form. Uh, and you can already see Aaron Jones slips to 212. So already the running backs are slipping and the receivers like DJ Moore, or getting pushed a little bit, okay? Then round three starts, and Fournette goes, don't want Fournette, just don't, wrong side of the, you know, the age curve, and I think Tampa might be a fade for me in general now. Then Higgins, okay, I would have taken Higgins, fine. Then Evans, who I'm, again, out on because of the Tampa situation, the many receivers, and then I'm like, uh-oh, I need to get ETN. He's the only guy I want in round three. I know receiver's better there, but I really believe in him as a, you know, a high, you know, an Eckler type, but in round three, and you know, I mean, who knows if he's healthy and stays healthy in his first year that's, in the league. But that's everybody, though. That's yeah, everybody. Th yeah, now. everybody's got a risk. He's healthy now, and he's with his quarterback. Okay, so Andrews goes. Now I'm one pick away. I'm like, please, please don't take ETN. Uh, <laughs> but I had, an, I had an advantage is that everyone was taking receivers. So, you know, it was it was more likely than usually followed me. So they take Keenan Allen, who I had no interest in, wrong aging, you know, age, and, you know, Palmer may fill in a role. And then I get ETN. So, okay, great. First three picks, very happy. Now I'm happy in a way that I don't get Javante because if I had Javante, right. I can't really take ETN. All right. So I've got my 
Wait, reverse. Stop there. I want you to reverse that. So what, what happens there? Because I think people that are still drafting tonight and through the prime, they, they want to know. So had you gotten Javante, who would have been the receiver that you would have taken in round three for those looking at the board? Yeah, well, A.J. Brown would have gone, right? So it would have right. pushed somebody down. And maybe Dalton takes, instead of Moore, he takes A.J. Brown. And maybe Moore is there, actually. You know, it's possible, right? Right. But, I but if, just, if he's not, and say, you know, say Keenan Allen got pushed down, you know, instead, I'm probably taking Allen Robinson. Mm. I might take Waddle. I might take Deontay Johnson. But okay. it was I would have had to reach up like almost the whole round, and I wasn't happy about that. So I was glad to get ETN there. Okay, so, so that's – okay, so then look at the receivers that go. It goes Sutton, Samuel, Williams, Davis – Elijah Moore in the third round. Robinson Davis in the third round is crazy too. That's the, usually doesn't happen. Yeah, this, that's the main pick. Let's Dalton just gets his guy. So Robinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Bateman, Waddle. Then Josh Allen goes late. You know, the fourth round is late for Josh Allen. Okay, someone takes the value. Then one pick before me, I'm, I'm all set to get Deontay Johnson. He's, you mm. know, peak, peak Antonio Brown. And he doesn't have peak Ben throwing to him, but he's basically peak Antonio Brown. And boom, Johnson goes. I got to get a receiver here. I got ETN in the third. I need a receiver. Who's it going to be? I thought about Juju. I had actually resigned the night before. I'm going to take Juju in round four um, because I just think he's a good player. He's 25, Pat Mahomes. But Mahomes comes out and says, everybody is going to split catches. And that's maybe just noise. Probably it was just enough in round four for me not to reach for Juju. It just, it just made me think. Yeah, and you, uh, I was off DK Metcalf at this point of the draft, but you actually made a, a really good persuasive argument that I think that people should hear, and I'll let you do it better than I, but it's about no matter who the quarterback is, like he actually had good games with Geno, and then Drew Locke's style matches up with like a supreme alpha wide receiver, even if the, the team is bad. But I'm just curious after you explain why you took, why you're confident in DK Metcalf there, like why not Mooney, who's the other guy who's going to get targets, targets, targets? It's just on a, it's another bad team, right? I mean, they're different receiver profiles. So was DK Metcalf the only one for you? Did you even consider Mooney there? No, I okay. think Mooney's like Brandon Cooks, right? Like, I mean, you, oh. if you want like 1,100, you might get 90 catches, like 90, 1,106, if that's like what you're looking for. Okay, take one of those guys. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll get 115 catches and have a, a monster year. But I just don't want one of those like, you know, base hits, you know, when I'm drafting to win a fantasy football league, you know, Metcalf could have, you know, get 64 catches if he's, even if he's healthy for 900 yards and nine touchdowns and be disappointing. But Metcalf is Metcalf, right? I mean, he is like the physical freak of the league. He's Calvin Johnson. He's just an absolute monster. And, you know, he was playing with a screw in his foot that bothered him all year last year. And then he was playing with Russell Wilson who had that mallet thumb or finger or whatever. He couldn't throw the ball. So you had bad quarterback play, which won't be worse because Wilson was really a zero, you know, for a lot of the year in terms of his play. And you had uh, him playing compromise and he scored 12 touchdowns. So um, you look at it, they have just Metcalf, Lockett and Fant. That is it. They don't really and throw Fant the backs. Is like, Fant yeah. is not even like a serious threat no. for, yeah. And, you, and they don't throw to the backs all that much. No. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, yes, there's some volume concern there, uh, but just the skills, you know. Yeah. And to get like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, I mean, those guys are just like, you just take a defensive back and like dunk him through the basket hoop and throw him out of the way. It's just like. You, you should you know, have gotten Elijah Moore and completed the Ole Miss stack. 
I, I would have, I would have. He went in round, <laughs> round three. Yeah. Okay. So, but I need to get a receiver one way or the other, and that was the one I chose. Yeah. I no. I, again, it. just I just wanted to give the anyone watching has is scared stiff of uh, of uh, DK Metcalf. I think that your confidence in him is is warranted here because it's still DK Metcalf. Everyone, I think they're overrating how bad the Seattle QBs were. These guys are like they're at least a little below average. They're not the worst QB in the league. Yeah. I mean, they're bad, but. You know, it's also like bad QBs sometimes force feed a guy that they can just chuck to. Like, it might be Lockett because he's the quick guy that can get open in the short areas. But, I mean, if I'm a QB and, and I've got DK Metcalf one-on-one, I'm just throwing it up in the air, you know? And, That's what I'm talking about. Let, let him make a play. He's know? a mistake eraser. That's all I yeah. meant to say. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Let's... So I get Metcalf, and now it comes back to round five. Now, I love A.J. Dillon, and I was annoyed the guy next mm. to me had four good receivers. He had cups left to him at six. And I left him AJ Dillon, which is annoying because that's a perfect pick for him in round five. But I couldn't do it. I didn't want to put him in my flex. I knew that there would be running backs I liked on the way back. And Christian Kirk, I feel like there's nothing else. It's ETN and Kirk. I mean, there's Marvin Jones. There's no real third receiver. There's no tight end. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence has like the second year breakout, um, Kirk is going to get 100 catches, getting 90 catches minimum for 1,000 yards and seven, eight touchdowns minimum. And so I thought Kirk is... You know, I've had him in a few places, but that to me is a is a great third receiver. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kirk was going in like the eighth and ninth round. It, it was it was uh, popped off the page as wait a second, this is a misprice. It was that no one thought Christian Kirk was good based on his salary. But as you can see here, I mean, this he could have the season that a lot of people are thinking Amon Ross St. Brown might have, where like you just said, this just peppered with targets um, and maybe not a lot of touchdowns, but a lot of yards. And it's funny you talk about a, a Trevor Lawrence is like a breakout. All he has to do is just be average and right. and this and this will happen. So you don't even need like him to ascend as like a top 12 quarterback. Right. I mean, he could have 24 touchdown passes and Kirk will catch eight of them. Right. But if he has 33 touchdown passes, look out, you know, and so that's the and of course that's in the uh that's you know well within the you know likely outcomes, not necessarily probable, but certainly plausible. Um, with you know the generational number one pick from last year who was in a horrible situation. Jaguar right. stack, what could go wrong, right? Nothing could go wrong with that. <laughs> okay, so then round six, this is why Kirk was the right pick, even though I love Dylan. Uh, funny, Justin Herbert goes one pick before me, okay, which is crazy. The QBs fell so much. So I'm looking at Herbert as he's coming back, and I'm like, I don't really want to take a QB here, mm. but man, Herbert in the mid-six is pretty good. Um, he gets taken one pick before me. And then I was going to take Hertz because I have AJ Brown and I've really warmed up the Hertz. You, you kind of talked me into him. I think AJ Brown's going to make his passing much better. He does all the running. Uh, he's got another year of experience. He's got a good offensive line, pretty soft division. It's, it's good, good situation. But um, I'm like, no, you know, if Herbert's going mid six, there's no point in pushing up a quarterback just to stack. I'll take him in seven if he falls. I'll take a bargain on him. I'm not going to reach half a round for a guy in a quarterback deflation league. So this is all about adapting to what the draft is giving you, right? It's like, okay, you need receivers and the quarterbacks are cheap. Okay, I'm going to wait. So, and I'm like, and you know what would be cool is to get Hertz in seven and Devonta Smith in eight. And then I got this full Eagle stack uh, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm rolling with that. So, but I just take Ramondre Stevenson, who's going to be the pass catching back probably for the Patriots. Had, was a, a monster in college, um, huge ceiling there. And, uh, and I was happy to get him after passing on Dylan.
Yeah, Stevenson is, you know, it's funny. He's been one of the polarizing players like that everyone has an opinion on. And it's it's so clear. Like all of the, the not a lot of things have been good about the buzz in Patriots camp, except Ramondre Stevenson. Like it's very rare Bill Belichick like gives a, a running back the the rubber stamp, but he's like, no, no, this is this guy's a three down back. You could be seeing like a almost like a LeGarrette blunt plus pass catching with him. I I love Stevenson. I glad this is ahead of where he goes. Like he's been going in the seventh round. Um, he started in the eighth round. So, yeah, I'm trying to, to rip apart your draft, but you, you said it exactly right, like how it ended up with your quarterback. You ended up with a, a starting quarterback in like the double the 13th round. Uh, it's it's hard to resist those running quarterbacks, but Stevenson's a player I'm rostering in all my leagues too. Yeah, so it was like I feel like some other guys got some really good bargains, like Herbert in the sixth and Dylan in the in the mid-fifth. Mm-hmm. You know, Cup and the, you know, the, the guy next to me did really well, I thought, but – that, those weren't my options. You know, I, I wanted Deontay Johnson. He took him. It wasn't up. I couldn't do it. Right. Like, yep. so I took what was there and I felt like every round I was really conscious of the flow of the draft and the guys I liked. And I felt like I didn't really, I didn't get stubborn. I didn't get reachy. I didn't say, okay, I got a pair. I need a stack. I'll just yep. take Hertz in the six. No, I, if quarterbacks are cheap, I'm going to get a bargain on a quarterback. I'm not going to be the only guy in the whole draft paying up for QB when everyone's getting a discount. Even Josh Allen was a discount. So at this you know, point, though, in the draft, I want to ask you. So you, you threw six rounds right here, right? So you, you that uh, that gamble of not of not taking AJ Dillon pays off because you like Ramondre Stevenson. So through six rounds, did you have any regrets at this point? Would you have done anything differently? Or listen, you took what the board gave you. You played it right um, through six rounds. I had no regrets whatsoever. There was Good. I feel like I, there was nothing I really could have done differently. Um, I could have taken Aaron Jones instead of AJ Brown. But then I would have had to take a receiver in the third, and the receivers I wanted weren't there. So that would have been a problem. Uh, in round four, I didn't get Deontay or Waddle, who I was hoping for a couple picks earlier. Uh, but I took the guy I liked best of the remaining of the remaining ones. And then Kirk, I took gambling. The, the running back I would like would be there on the way back. He was. I feel like, a, you know, A-plus in terms of what I did. I might not have the best team because, you know, you don't always get the, it to fall to you the way that you want. But I'm happy, like, with the choices I made, even yep. knowing what happened later. Okay. Round this is where it gets, yeah, this is where it gets interesting because uh, I, I can't wait to hear how – because Kittle in the seventh seems like a, a nice value. So um, did you feel the pressure to take a tight end here? Was uh, How did – like, who were you targeting? But you must have been surprised Kittle fell. Yeah, well, Kittle got hurt, and I didn't know that because it was, like, two hours before the draft, and I, you know, I – hour before the draft. I don't know. I, I just hadn't caught up to like the very, very latest news. It's a good tip. Get to the news literally to the second of your draft. Nobody got hurt all summer. I wasn't expecting suddenly, you know, Kittle to show up on the injury report with a groin injury, but uh, maybe that some people knew and that's why I fell, but I was looking at it and there's nobody I liked. Hertz went and Devonta Smith. So forget about that dream of stacking those guys, not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Hertz is gone. I was going to take him. So I'm not going to take a QB. I'm going to wait. Then you look at the receivers that are available. Even Sky Moore and Lazard went. So, I don't want George Pickens. You know, I don't want Robert Woods. I don't want Tyler Lockett there. Um, I feel like those are reachy. Um, and, and I don't, and, and I, I mean, we all had to reach for receivers. I mean, I'm not going to even fault people for reaching, but there's one of the top tight ends left. You know, there's none of the QBs I wanted. Receivers seem reachy. I had three running backs already. To me, it was just the obvious pick. Now, of course he's hurt and I didn't know that. Um, so maybe he would have lost another round, but hopefully he's just day to day. But yeah, so yeah, I Kittle, Kittle. I mean, but that's what Kittle is, though. Kittle is a player that gets hurt, but then gives you a forty-point wait week and yeah. actually wins the week for you. So it's that you. This is what you saw. It doesn't matter if it happened in week five or in week two, right. or it, it's happening now. It's you just don't it, want lingering. You know, he's just really George Brittle. You know, <laughs> I call him. But anyway, you know, hopefully yeah. he's okay. And this is why and, you got him in the seventh. 
Right. Get them in the seven. So now, you know, I've got my three receivers, my two backs, my flex. I've got all my starters basically. And they're all good. They're all guys who can give you 20 points in a week. So I feel good. About, I don't have to start any like, you know, Naheem Hines because I went zero running back or, you know, some uh, Irv Smith tight end. You know, I've got like everybody assuming Kittle's healthy is, is solid. Okay. So round eight, um, it starts coming back and I kind of wanted Rondell Moore because receivers are getting pushed. Uh, and I love the year two receivers and Hopkins is out. I don't really, I don't like Marquise Brown. Um, I think that's like taking peak to Sean Jackson. Like, yeah, he can make big plays, but I, I don't like him where he's going. Uh, so I like more uh, who might play out of the slot more also Kirk gone, but he's gone. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, what's the league winner on the board? And, and CEH, I mean, CEH has been such a bust. I mean, they drafted this guy for pass catching. He doesn't catch passes, <laughs> you know I mean? You know, they brought in a million different guys, but come on. Pacheco is like a undrafted rookie. Like McKinnon is brittle and old. Ronald Jones is an early down banger. I just feel like, you know, maybe this is the year for CEH and, and round eight, I was willing to gamble on. Yeah, I mean, he was going the first round his rookie year, and then he actually got, after the, the Thursday game, got pushed up to the first pick a couple right. years ago. You got the discount in the third round last year, and it's still, it's like, that's your third round pick. It's It, it still felt like there was a lot of risk. In the eighth round, there's a chance, there's like probably, what, a 25% chance you're going to drop your eighth round pick at some point anyway. Right. You got the starting running back on a top five offense. It all of the risk is squeezed out at that point. Uh, nobody likes CH, but again, this is why you're getting him in the eighth round, right? He's got and he's got pass catching skills. Like, can he block? Can he can he you know plan third downs? But you know, McKinnon may be hurt in week three, and then who's going to play third downs? And if it is CEH, you know, look out. And also, you know, it's a different offense without Hill and Kelsey's yep. getting older, so maybe they do put some wrinkles in for him. So anyway, I I thought the gamble was worth it there. Okay, so. That goes, and then, you know, I'm like, okay, but I almost took, I was going to take Josh Palmer because he was my next receiver, but I'm like, no, no, he's way later. I'll take him in round nine. Of course, <laughs> look who goes off the, the board. Claypool, Nico Collins, Josh Palmer, Michael Gallup, Jahan Dotson, all gone before I pick again. Yeah, I, that, those are the receivers that were going in round 11 and 12. So it sounds like there's, you know, once we get into this area, there's like a three round inflation cost, which means other other players are going to fall. You benefited from getting your quarterback later. Uh, you got a, a, a premium backup tight end, which is it's good. I mean, you're not, even, you're not even worried about Kittle with how you did it tight end. But yeah, that that's concerning because those are the, the breakout wide receivers that normally go with the double digits. Uh, I'm a little Mar uh, Romeo Dobbs. Um, it sounded like you felt a little pressure to take a wide receiver there. Uh, there's some of the, this is where I'll give you my first critique because yeah. Dobbs is not even the wide receiver four in week one. I know you're not worried about week one when you have other starters here, but uh, I, I understand the hype on him. But guys like Russell Gage, Julio Jones, uh, they obviously you're you're in a full Tampa fade, but those guys are set for some early down. You know that's what I'm curious to hear about. Like why did you take Dobbs? over Jacoby Myers, Julio Jones, Gage. There's uh, some other players there, but those are the ones that actually have definite immediate roles. Yeah, I was playing offense, not defense, right? Dobbs could be the number one. I mean, I guess Lazard is the number one, but Lazard may be a 100-target guy, you know, and you lose Devontae Adams in 160 targets, um, and you lose MVS with whatever, 80 targets or whatever he had, and Tunyon is coming back from an ACL. They just don't have defined guys, right? And right. they say they're going to throw to Jones and Dylan, and, and they'll throw some, but somebody's got to be that guy. And Dobbs was, you know, the best receiver they had in the preseason. Yep. And so he was my next target. But I also, when I took him immediately, I was like, I got to get Christian Watson. Yep. Because I was like, I don't know that it's going to be Dobbs. And that could be a total bust, but it could be. 
And then with Dobbs and Watson, I, I don't think Sammy Watkins, I'm sorry, maybe for a week or two, but I just can't, I just can't, you know, just, if, if Sammy Watkins beats me, congratulations. Like I, I'm out. I mean, this is, this is years. I'm out years ago on Sammy Watkins. So the week, you know, the week one, 1.1, I call him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and by the way, you also, this is, I just looked at the bottom of your draft board. I like that you got Randall Cobb here because again, our 20, our 19th round pick, our 20th round pick, those are week one drops. But if Randall Cobb has seven for 70 in week one and Dobbs is not playing, wait, a, at least you know that you have the veteran there that you could plug in. So I do like the Randall Cobb. He's on a lot of waiver wires in a lot of leagues. I think that's a good pick considering you got aggressive on Dobbs. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could have got Garrett Wilson, who's a talent, but I just believe in Elijah Moore, and I just don't think that can yeah, support he's two receivers. It's just two, the Jets. It's just I can't see him doing two. I'm mean, QB one is has my respect, of course, but <laughs> I don't. I see him supporting. I could see him uh, servicing two of something else, but not two receivers. Okay, so. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. So uh, you know, let's let's give the man credit for what he's actually good at. Um, yeah. You you and, actually made a, a joke yesterday that it was a throwaway joke for you, but I it it lightened my whole day up. I was laughed at least three times to myself when I told you I got my fifty foot internet cord, uh, and just without even blinking, like a real man gets a hundred foot cord. You know, like yeah. I was like, oh man, I was all proud to show you my fifty. Foot internet cord, and it, you know, I, just I, whip, I whipped out my hundred foot cord, is what I did on yeah. You. Oh, I, I have a hundred foot cord though, I really, I, I do, and I used to, you know, I used it a lot because like I would be in like Heather's mom's house doing the XM show, and I would like get it and sit outside on the deck, you know, or you know, when I, we were in Berlin, like there was the internet was in the living room, and I had you had needed a plug in Ethernet, now I don't need it anymore, so uh. Anyway, well, I just if, thought it was a good throwage that you thought it was a throwage, but it actually it, it gave me a couple of giggles during the day. Yeah. And, you know, I whipped out my cord. And of course, yours was bigger. Yeah. Uh, too bad. Too bad. You know, you may, you'll have to get a 200 foot cord. <laughs> Real man is a 200 foot cord. And that's not code for anything. Right. And it's not. Uh, it's probably it's, it's obviously a liability if it's uh, if it is code for something. Um, so, uh, OK, so let's keep keep focused. Uh, round nine. Uh, I get Dobbs. Right. OK, so that's uh, controversial. I'm, I, yeah, controversial, but I'm you know, Wandell Robinson, you know, mm. I, I, I think it's Tony and I think even Galladay's ahead of Robinson and, you know, can Danny Dimes, much as I love Danny Dimes, how many receivers can he support? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, who else was there? You know, Tyler Boyd, I just, he disappeared when, when Higgins and Chase were the guys. I mean, he was just an afterthought. Yeah, and there's then, a couple. There's a couple receivers though that you you always talk about this. You say like, look, when a running back gets hurt, we know who the running back is that's going to get 15 touches. There's almost there's only like a handful of wide receivers that we know are like handcuff style wide receivers. Boyd and KJ Osborne are two of them. I think that get the targets should one of the starters go down. But I know what you're saying. It's like there's no upside for Boyd if that doesn't happen, and receivers I mean, don't. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarter. He won MVP twice in a row. He lost Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard, he's talking up because it's his guy, but that's all they got. They don't have anything else. They don't have a tight end. They don't have other receivers. Somebody is going to be the number one guy after Lazard or, or Lazard may even be the number two, which he's probably better suited to. And I, I feel like if you have a shot at that, you take it. Um, but I hear, I hear you. I only had three star. I don't have four starting receivers. It might've been better as a receiver five. Um, and, and Dobbs, I mean, sorry, you just talked Green Bay. It almost seems like the um, LeBron James Cavaliers where he has like a bunch of like sort of just guys around him and then he wills all those guys. All those Cavaliers and those LeBron teams had fantasy value, by the way. They all did. It just wasn't like league winning, but they'd all get you know, like 15 uh, fantasy points or 14 fantasy points. So, yeah, no, you're right. It, and he, it almost feels like this could be the Marcus Callaway of the preseason 
or it could be the guy that actually elevates and ends up being uh, a good a good late round pick. So there's a yeah. lot of risk there. Uh, so maybe I'm just being a little bit cowardly. No, no, he might be a Marcus Callaway, but people are taking Marcus Callaway in the fourth round. That's the right, 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 right. This yes. guy's going in the ninth yeah, round. You know, that's true. Okay. So then uh, round 10, I take Damon Harrison. It was a really cowardly pick. You know, I had Why? Stevenson. I like that pick. It's cowardly though, because you have Stevenson, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to be safe and back up my guy. You know, it's like, you're not, you should take someone else's guy so you can get both starters. But uh, in a 10, thing, t- in a 10 bench league, it's okay. I think in a okay, 10 but bench. It, it, no, I mean, it was fine. It, it cost me having a receiver there, you know, to mm-hmm. get an, yet another receiver. Jarvis Landry was the guy I thought about, and I think he'll get some targets. Mm. But again, you know, Harris just was 15 points behind ADP and 15 slots. And, you know, I had, Ramondre. What if I'm wrong about Ramondre and Harris is the guy. So then there was that, but it also cost me James Robinson, who uh, I knew immediately. I was like, Oh, I kind of picked that fast. And I was like, but James Robinson's probably going to play. And I couldn't get them both. Cause I couldn't get that many running backs. So th- that's, that was one. I didn't, I'm not going to say I regret it, but that was one where I, maybe if I did it again, I could take James Robinson instead of Harris. James Robinson though. I mean, and I know he's playing, but it was an Achilles tear in week 15. Yeah. Uh, he could just be like a pass blocker. Cause he's good at that. But I, I just maybe he'll get some short yards. But I'm telling you, man, an Achilles. I need to see someone off the Achilles do well before I even think about an Achilles player. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's that's also true. And, and Harris is totally healthy. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the Pats may be good this year. I mean, like they made the playoffs last year, and Mac Jones was just a rookie. Quarterbacks take a leap. I mean, what if they're actually good? What if their offense is like league average or top. 14 you know i mean suddenly having those running backs is going to be and there's really nobody else like pierre strong is the only other guy on the roster so i, I don't feel bad about it but you know that was one that i just thought about and then uh 11, pierre strong I, pierre strong would have been a weak pick it would have been a weak pick for sure no he's no matt forte um <laughs> so uh okay. all right so then round 11 i take watson i was committed to it i reached a bit but i was like i actually think watson might be better than dobbs i think he's the guy they drafted to fill that role it's wide open He's the athlete. He's the downfield guy, but uh, you know, he didn't, he was hurt for most of the preseason. He's healthy now, but he was hurt. So he didn't, you know, there may be some time. I like Christian Watson. I like, I, again, I, I think that's why he's falling. Had he had a preseason, he'd be going in the, you know, with all those other receivers in the ninth round and all that. So it's funny that, that Christian Watson, he's got, you know, there's so, there's so little like uh, sample size on him. And he's the guy that played with Trey Lance in college. So I'm telling this guy, this is the, this is the league winning type of wide receiver. You're like, Oh, okay. We were wrong all off season about him, you know? So I, I like this pick here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel good about that. And then, but I'm playing chicken on quarterback. So the other thing, when mm. I took, uh, when I took Dame, uh, Damian Harris, you know, Russell Wilson goes next in round 10. I'm like, Ooh, maybe I should have taken the QB, hmm. but then I was like, no, 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 calm down. There's a lot of good QBs left and it's QB deflation. So you don't want to be the guy feeling good about your QB value when there's really quality players on the board. So again, in round 12, I was like, give me Friermuth, the last, in my opinion, legit, uh, upside tight end. I mean, there's a couple, you know, Joku has some upside Irv Smith does, but you know, he was good as a rookie and tight ends are never good as rookies. And that, that bodes really well for year two. So I took Fryermuth being like, okay, Brady's still on the board. Roger's still on the board who I could stack. Stafford is still on the board. So, okay. I go, Brady goes, you know, before my next pick. And I'm like, okay, Rogers or Stafford here round 13. It's time. I've played chicken a long time. Cousins was off the board. I- I'm going to do it. So I take Stafford, even though I have, I'm like the Roger stack. It's not really a stack with those rookies. Like, you know, it was like, one of them may be the guy, but it's not like I have Lazard and Aaron Jones or something like that. So I just want Stafford in that system in year two. I just think like he could easily do like 44 touchdowns and 
5,000 yards. You know? Yeah, the, the elbow concerns are what's pushing him down, but it, the story, the part of that story that's not being talked about is this was the same thing he went through last year. They just didn't talk about it last year. This year they're talking about it. It's the same thing he's had. He's gonna, it's going to be the rest of his career. Who knows how they're managing it, but it didn't seem to be a problem last year. Yeah, so I thought that was a steal. I would have taken Rodgers on the way back. Dalton snagged him in around 13. That's fine. Um, and then in the next round, I took Robbie Anderson, who I actually really like. I, Robbie Anderson caught 90 balls two years ago, and he's been paired with terrible QBs, the Jets QBs. He's been paired with um, the, the Panthers QBs. Now he's got a league average QB. So the same reason I like DJ Moore, I, obviously I like DJ Moore more than Robbie Anderson, but Robbie Anderson could get 80 catches, no problem. He's a quality receiver, and he's the number two guy. And I even got Terrace Marshall in round 18, just in case Robbie Anderson isn't the number two guy. So I feel like there's no tight end there. There is McCaffrey, who's like another receiver. But you got DJ Moore, McCaffrey. There's going to be one more guy who catches 80 passes, and it's going to yeah. be one of those two guys. It also, it's a little under the radar. And again, I like the players you took there, but uh, Rashard Higgins, who came over with, that's Baker Mayfield's guy from Cleveland. He does throw to him too. So if, if Marshall doesn't work out, Higgins might be one of these waiver wire week one, week two guys. So, but I, I agree with you. Everything. Robbie Anderson's good. It's even, and even the new spelling of his name, right? Didn't he change the spelling of his name? Not of his first name. He went from Robbie or to IE now, I believe. Yeah, I don't like that. I think you stick with the spelling. I think that's, that's well. Unique. This this should you know. It's like when someone changes their number, they want a new identity, fresh start. This is like a total new identity. If you're gonna change your name, you got to change your religion too. You know, it's gotta be like Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You don't just change your name without changing your religion. Okay, you just so change the spelling. That's it. Yeah, yeah real yeah. man changes the spelling only. Real man changes the name. No, real man. Right. All right. Well, remember Prince changed his name to a symbol. Right. Right. Meta world, uh, like uh, Ron Artest. Well, Metal World Peace is also good. I respect that. But he yeah. kind of came up with his own religion. You know, that's yep. the real man has his own religion. You know, there's this guy, this musician. He's actually really good. It's like Afrobeat guy in Africa in the 80s. Fela Kuti, famous mm. guy. And uh, he declared his home a sovereign country and therefore did not have to. He decided he did not have to pay taxes because it was an independent country, his home. So that's what a real man does. That's how. The real man up. handles his business. I think he got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't. The one thing they'll always come after you for is pay your tax. That, that's my my dad always told me. He goes, just pay your taxes and don't even ask. It's a mafia. Like they they want their vague. They'll come and kill you. Oh, it's the mafia, hundred yeah. percent. It's a yeah. shakedown. Yeah, but he. But I have respect for saying, you oh, know, totally. my home is a sovereign nation, and I'm not paying taxes because I have my own country. Yeah, Wesley Snipes tried the same deal, right? Didn't yeah. he? Uh, and then he ended up going to jail. So yeah. don't do that. Real man, real man dies in jail. As I said, if you oh. die outside of prison, you're not a real man. All right. So, uh, all right. That's obvious. So let's not belabor the obvious, Alan. All right. So then I take Lawrence and I love Lawrence because a, he's the breakout guy, but I've got ETN and Kirk. I mean, I got the two main guys. Yeah. I got the full Jacksonville stack. You know, that's, you know, that to me is like, I have the upside of a stack, but I didn't like reach for the Hertz Brown stack. So I feel mm -hmm. good about that. I got something. Um, and but I didn't, I, I didn't make it into a theme. You know, you don't want to make your team into like a theme park. Like, oh, look at this. I did this and that. You can get really clever making these little puzzles of team stacks and correlations. But you got you to gotta get, you know, the, the right players at the right price too. Yeah, I don't want to goof on like the, the stat sheet bros for a second. It's like the week 17 correlation stack and then run it back with this guy. It's like too much. Just take the yeah. value at each pick. And, you know, the, the, the kind of fantasy football joke, just how do you win? Just take the best players, right? I mean, I understand maybe there's an edge if you get there, but to base your whole team on these, like, playoff run stacks and runbacks, it, it just sometimes can be distracting, I think is the right word. 
Yeah, no, it is. Um, and I, and I had to resist it. You know, you want to get clever sometimes. And also like the NFC, it's totally different. It's not like, it's not like season long baseball where you could get like a few guys in the middle of the same lineup and get a lot of RBIs and runs if that lineup uh, goes off. Um, it's just for three weeks, right? Like you're, you're stacking guys, but like, it's like you, a, you got to make the playoffs first. If you stack a bunch of guys, if the Jaguars go crazy in weeks 14 through 16, or 15 through 17, so maybe, but I don't make the playoffs. Like that doesn't even do any good, you know? So I, I don't know. And it's so unpredictable. I, I, I agree. Just don't get, don't get, don't overthink it. Don't get too cute with it. Yeah. All right. Round 16. I, I actually missed, I actually got, I took Ronald Jones cause I wanted one of the chiefs other backs. I, don't, I think any of the four could end up being the guy. I don't think McKinnon can hold up. Pacheco, I don't think they'll give the role to, but you never know. Look, he's on the roster. That's that's it, right? You don't right. even need Ronald Jones to pan out in the first four weeks. Like you said, there's going to be uh, – Ronald Jones at some point is going to be a waiver wire pickup. You have him now. Right, and, and that was just it. And But I was going to get the Denver defense. I was like, I can wait. Right. Of course, I got sniped. Anytime you think you can wait, you can't. So I got the Saints defense who were in Atlanta. I just – okay, fine, for week one. I'll, I'll worry about it later. I got Marshall to go along with Robbie Anderson. I got the Broncos kicker because suddenly the offense is good. Get some PATs and it's good for kicking in distance. And then, as you mentioned, I got Cobb with the last pick. Um, just, you know, just in case those two rookies don't pan out, you know, then I don't think Watkins pans out. So who's the next guy left? There's Lazard and who? Maybe it's Cobb for 80 catches. Yeah. Overall. So I, I have a, a thought about your team overall. I think, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm saying this like, I know you're going to mock me for like how I'm thinking about this, but this is really how I look at a draft board. So process-wise, A+, plus, I would have mostly done the same thing. Uh, Players-wise, everyone's going to have different takes, so I'm going to go B-plus there because I don't have as much confidence in some of the players, but I could be totally wrong there. Uh, and the the ones that I told you, the, the ninth-round pick with Dobbs, it doesn't drag the draft. It's a ninth-round pick, but it's like who else could go around there? But what I think is your upside, a grade is a plus because I, I think that you know people that the the value perception of etn went up and down i think you got him right where he was going there was a point where he was around two pick you talk you always famously say who could be on the cover of the magazine people got bored of saying etm was going to be a breakout he's going to be a breakout i mean you talked about it can he uh he could be like an alvin Kamara type and then uh what you you also mentioned this one so i'm gonna say your upside is a plus uh, end game, I'm going to say B plus and overall strategy, a overall grade. I think that you have a chance to be in the top 12. No I'm kidding. Uh, to be in the top. I think that you could be one of the top two teams here and who knows it's, it's about waiver wire grind. So I honestly, I wanted to shit on this draft a little bit, but I think you actually did a very good job. Um, and especially if Barkley works out. I'm very disappointed to hear that. I was really hoping for a negative grade uh, because <laughs> uh, so the haters are what drive uh, fantasy success. All right. And, all right. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I hear you. I mean, not everybody likes Barkley as much as me. Not everybody likes Metcalf right. as much as me. And that's part of the thing. But everybody does know the upside of those two guys. It's just, you know. Kittle, you think Kittle was a bad pick for me too. Uh, I didn't know about the injury either until you mentioned it. I have Goddard right ahead of him. But I under, listen, I understand. Kittle is, he's, he's never a guy I draft because I just don't like being without my star tight end, but it's seven. It's hard to argue with. He's never available round. in the seventh round in the last five years. I like, know, you just can't I get know. Him. I know. So that's what I'm saying is like because of the inflated prices on some of these guys that go two, three rounds later, it's hard to argue that you did a poor job or even the crap on the draft because you just you were the value vacuum in this one. It, you, you know, you got the deals. Yeah, I got some of them. I mean, the guy getting Herbert in the sixth, uh, that's a pretty good deal. Cup in the sixth overall. And he got uh, Herbert. 
versus yeah. Stafford in the 13th. You yeah, got no, no, that's why. Well, that's what it is. That's why I didn't, I didn't want him. I wouldn't have taken Herbert, you know, that's and that's saying. why I didn't take Hurts because, because that you got to, you know, but yeah. still, I mean, Herbert is six, still good mid six, but it's but the point is that, that you, yeah, no, I, I feel like Stafford is like 40, 60 to outscore Herbert in this format. Like, it's like, it's not like, it's not that crazy, right? Like more than that. Yeah. More than that. So, yeah. so, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, going over it with me. I, I wrote yeah. it up. I I'll have a link to that. Um, and uh, anything, any final thoughts, Alan? Yeah, no, I'm just curious if just by scanning the board, you don't have to study it hard, but you don't have, and just who do you think was the one, the the worst pick in the draft? And then you don't have to, just like one or two of them that you thought were like, oh, thank God he took that guy there. Like, cause I think that's important for people to know if they're drafting tonight and this weekend, uh, the landmines to avoid. Yeah. I mean, I disagree on some players. Like I don't like Keenan Allen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him, but a lot of people do. And he may catch a hundred passes. I mean, I, I can't say that's a mistake, you know, that pick, right. I wouldn't have done it. Um, I'm looking, I mean, I think most people, this is why it was a tough draft. And I didn't think there were any rookies. Nobody, you know, really like you look at um, people didn't push up like the QBs. Like I was, you know, Burrow went in the, went in the eighth. Uh, it's a little early for this kind of inflation, but Burrow in the eighth is, a, is actually a value. You know, Trey Lance in the ninth is early, but Trey Lance can win you the league. Right. Uh, I, I don't, Tyreek Hill in the second. Where do you feel about Tyreek Hill in the second? I, I wouldn't take him. I, yeah, I'm, me I'm too. Out, I'm out on on uh, Tua basically, and mm. Waddle will catch short passes. I, I don't buy it at all. But again, like that's just a player I disagree on. I don't think anyone made a mistake. Like you know, took a player that's like, why would you do that? There's no point in that. Um, you know, I I don't see it. I, I don't like okay. feeling. I don't like feeling in the fifth. You know, in the end of the fifth. But remember, wide receiver inflation was insane, and he's going to get targets. I'm a little concerned about him staying healthy. He's just been, you know, kind of breaking down, but I don't, I don't really see like, you know, okay. Errors, you know, like big errors here. And the last thing I think that, cause you said it in the beginning and I, I think people, because people are in on Tampa Bay, why the Tampa Bay fade? Well, their offensive line is not as good as it was. Their defense is not as good as it was. Um, Godwin's coming off that injury. And I don't know if he's really hundred percent, even though he's practicing full go, um, Brady's a year older, you know, there's like a 25, 30% chance. He just drops off a cliff. I mean, yeah. you know, there's some point he's not going to be good at 50. So you gotta, you know, there's some point I just feel like, um, now, you know, there's upside still Brady had 715 attempts last year. So there, there's certainly upside there for is kind of old, you know, the, I, I just feel like Tampa Bay, like last year when they lost to the Rams, when they came back and lost, I, I feel like that was the end of that. And, um, and they may still win the division because there's nobody really great in that division. But I took Carolina to win the division as a long shot bet uh, with with big odds, and I'm I'm just kind of out on them. But Fair. you know that's just that's my that's my you know get out a year too early rather than a year too late. Right. And I just think that that's a you know that's a contrarian take. So I wanted you to explain that to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, right. it's just a vibe. Just a vibe. Yep. I could be wrong. How do you feel? Give yourself a team grade, and then we can get out of here. Well, I I feel like you know I I did well. Like, I feel like I, I read the draft. I waited on QB. I pushed some receivers that I thought were good at the time, given what my other options were. I got some values. I'm not happy that Kittle was, had the groin injury when I took him, although there was no one there I was really keying on at that pick anyway. Um, I give myself an A for execution. Um, yep. But, you know, I mean, most people think that Barkley, you know, that seventh pick is the drop-off after those first six go in every draft pretty much. And so maybe where I pick, you know, I chose to pick wasn't ideal, um, but I like it. You know, I was a little bummed that I got snaked on Deontay Johnson. I think he's like a shoe in for 90 catches if he's, if he's healthy. Um, so I give myself an A for execution 
a minus for team quality, but as I agree with you that it's a plus for upside and, yeah. and I can live with that. You know, I, my, my sort of mean uh, rating of my team isn't as important as what could go right. And it's a, what could go right team. And I, and I really believe in, in fantasy sports. Um, what could go right is the way to draft. It's not, you know, it's not just like, Oh, let's be safe here. Look, only one team out of 12 is going to win. One team's going to take second. Uh, if you get, if, if it's a really strong league, you, you may get in the playoffs at third place and get a little money, but only one team's going to win. Yeah, that's the Christian McCaffrey versus Taylor argument at the top. So, I mean, you know, where, where people saying what could go right versus what could go wrong. So, uh, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well done. All thanks right. for, thanks right. for uh, uh, having me here to um, bounce stuff off me. But, and like I said, I came in with a sledgehammer and unfortunately I can't do it. I can't break apart your draft. Uh, I wouldn't be sin been sincere. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy, Alan.